You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. Now remember that Sa'd ibn Ma'adh, this great companion of the Prophet, he's the one who passed the judgment on those who committed treason from Bani Quraida, from the Jews. They did not accept the judgment of the Prophet. We said in our previous courses that had they accepted the Prophet to be the arbitrator and the one to pass the sentence, the Prophet would have forgiven them. But they refused and they said, we want Sa'd to be the arbitrator. And Sa'd ruled that those who actively engaged in treason shall be executed. Sa'd had been wounded before that in the battle of Ahzab. So his health was not good when all of this was happening. But Sa'd had asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to keep him alive so he could see the fate of Bani Quraidah. Oh Allah, these people who committed treason, before I die, I want to see what happens to them. Because they really betrayed us. We lived harmoniously with them in Medina. We gave them peace and security and protection. We allowed them to have the best economy. And yet they committed treason against us. They tried to kill us with the pagans. So Sa'd was really hurt by the, by the Bani Quraidah. And Allah answered his prayers. And in fact, he's the one who passed the sentence on them. Now, because he was wounded in the battle of Ahzab, his wound opened and he started to bleed. The Prophet came with a number of his companions in order to, vis- to visit Sa'd. The hadith states that Sa'd was tall and white. He had a strong build. So the Prophet next sat next to him as he's visiting him. These are his final moments. The Prophet places the head of Sa'd in his arms. Look at the compassion of Rasulullah Look at the humbleness of this leader. And how lucky is Sa'd for Rasulullah in his final moments to come next to him and to hold his head. And the Prophet made this dua. He said, Allahumma inna Sa'dan qad jahada fi sabilik. Oh Allah, Sa'd really struggled and sacrificed in your path. He accepted me. He considered me as being truthful. He fulfilled his responsibility. So take his soul in the best manner possible. This beautiful dua from the Prophet for his companion Sa'd. Sa'd opened his eyes. He saw the Prophet making this beautiful dua and supplication for him. He said, Assalamu alayka ya Rasulullah. I bear witness that you have conveyed the message of Allah. And these were pretty much his final words. The Prophet then let go of his head and he left. Within hours after this, Sa'd ibn Ma'ad became a shaheed. He passed away and he became a shaheed. Numerous traditions and hadiths indicate that when Sa'd ibn Ma'adh became a shaheed and he passed away, the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was shaken. He died as a shaheed. So Jibra'il comes to the Prophet, he tells him, Ya Rasulullah, Sa'd has now 
just departed this world, so rush to his house. The Prophet ﷺ rushes to his house. He was deeply affected by the martyrdom of Sa'd. Sa'd was a very great companion. The Prophet would call him Sayyid al-Ansar, the master of the Ansar. The Ansar were the helpers in Medina, the companions of the Prophet in Medina, we call them the Ansar. 70,000 angels descended to participate in the funeral of Sa'd. Just know the greatness of this companion. One of the men of the Ansar, he composed this line of poetry when Sa'd died. He stated, Basically he's saying the poet, we have not heard that when someone dies, the throne of Allah moves and shakes. Except Sa'd. His title was the father of Amr. So this was something special that happened with Sa'd. The Muslims had not heard about this, that the throne of Allah can shake when a martyr dies. Now I have a question for you. What does it mean for the throne of God to shake? What, what significance does that have? What does it mean? The symbolic meaning is that something very big happened that shook the universe because the throne of Allah lies at the center of the universe. Don't think of the throne of God as some chair that God sits on. We don't believe in these anthropomorphic qualities of Allah, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't have any physical shape or form. The arsh is the center of the universe where Allah issues His commands. So the arsh shaking has a number of meanings. One meaning is that the carriers of the throne, because the angels carry the throne of Allah, meaning they carry His commands, they carry His knowledge, they execute the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These angels became extremely delighted to meet His soul. They saw the soul of this shaheed ascending. So out of excitement, the throne of Allah was shaken. That's one meaning. Another meaning is that the throne itself basically is comforted by the soul of Sa'd. When the soul of a mu'min ascends into the heavens, the inhabitants of the heavens, they feel comfortable. You know, imagine like you're sitting in a place and someone walks in with a good scent. That just soothes you, right? It's, it's a pleasant experience when that happens. So when this soul ascended into the heavens, that soul brought with it so many barakat and blessings, such that the throne and the carriers of the throne, they were comforted by it. Look at the respect that Allah gives to a believer. Such that those purest creations, they are joyful when your soul goes there and meets them. So the Prophet was seen rushing to his body, literally rushing. He told him, Ya Rasulullah, why are you rushing to the body of Sa'd? He said, I am afraid the angels will beat us to him to wash him. I want to get there before the angel. The angels go there. This is more symbolic. The Prophet is just telling them how important Sa'd is. Then the Prophet would say, Hani an laka ya Aba'ab. What a beautiful fate you had. How lucky you are 
Oh, Aba Amr, Aba Amr is the title of Sa'd. Then he informed the companions of the angels that who were present in the house of Sa'd. The Prophet also carried the casket. You know, it's mustahab when you're carrying the janazah to alternate. So everyone has a chance to carry the casket. The Prophet did so. That's something that he did. Look at the great compassion of the Prophet and he prayed on him. Something interesting happened over there. Sa'd was known to have a big build, right? And, so, and somewhat heavy because he was muscular. The carriers of his throne noticed that the carriers of his casket, of his body, they noticed that the casket is very light. It's not heavy at all. So the hypocrites who didn't like Sa'd and the hypocrites who were upset, why did he execute those who committed treason? Because they're in, on one side. They said, because of his rule against Bani Quraidha, he became light. They were trying to insult him. Meaning he no longer has any weight. He doesn't have any significance. Why? Because of his rule against the Bani Quraidha. So the Prophet was asked about that. He said, why is it that we feel that the body of Sa'd is so light? The Prophet ﷺ responded by saying, the angels are carrying him with you. And that's why you felt the lightness of his body. SubhanAllah. Sometimes here in this physical world, we can feel these realities. So he was taken to the Baqi'ah. The Prophet walks without a cloak. He takes off his cloak as a, as a sign of respect. And those who were burying Sa'd, the Prophet, by the way, entered inside his grave to help fixing the grave and preparing it. Those who entered his grave realized that there was the scent of misk, musk coming from his grave because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was honoring him and then Sa'd was buried. My dear brothers and sisters, how old do you think Sa'd was when all this happened and he had this great position? 70,000 angels come to participate in his burial. The Prophet takes off his cloak. He carries his casket. He's no ordinary person. How old do you think he was? 37. 37, exactly. Yes, he was 37 years old. And this indicates that many of those high-ranking companions who really sacrificed, they were young. Don't think they were in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. Many of those who really sacrificed and they helped Islam advance, they were young. Many of them were in their 20s and their 30s. So Sa'd was only 37. But see the very important role. The Prophet considers a 37-year-old to be Sayyid al-Ansar, the man of Medina, the master of Medina. And the Prophet gave so much importance to the youth. Arabian society neglected the youth. Only the elderly had that respect. Islam came to change that. Don't underestimate yourself as a youth. Even if you're a teenager, have big ambitions in life. You could be a leader. You know, many times when we look at social media and what society is teaching us, especially what it's teaching our youngsters, we realize that our society teaches teenagers just to have fun, go after entertainment, do something cool on TikTok, and that's pretty much it. But look at the warriors in our history, how young they were. 
Lady Maryam How old was she when she had Prophet Jesus? No, much younger. According to our hadith, how old was she? 10. Christians, they say how old was she? 12. Difference of two years. We all agree she was a young teenager. Lady Fatima She was martyred at 18. So all of that you've heard from the life of Lady Fatima, her stances, her powerful speeches, her acts of charity are before 18. When she was 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. See, Islam tells you be ambitious, even if you're a teenager. Know you can change society. Pursue these higher goals. That's not something you commonly hear in our modern days to society. Yeah, they're just kids. Let them be kids. What do you mean they're just kids? They have a great capacity. So Sa'd ibn Ma'ad, the day he was killed, the day he was martyred, he was only 37. So look at those previous years. He was young, but he was having such an important role in Medina supporting the Prophet And that's really a big lesson for us and our families. Now one thing happened when Sa'd was being buried, and we've mentioned this previously, but just to recap this. And Imam al-Sadiq narrates this in our sources. And Imam al-Sadiq states that after all this happened and the Prophet showed so much concern for the body of Sa'd, his mother came and she said, Ya Sa'd, and lakal jannah. Oh Sa'd, that's it. You have a straight ticket to paradise, basically. The Prophet said, Oh, the mother of Sa'd. Be patient. Don't impose on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And basically say that, you know, straight going to heaven, he has a direct ticket to heaven. Don't impose on Allah. And let me just tell you, right now, Sa'd was squeezed in his grave. So he experienced something unpleasant when he was put in the grave. Aside from the squeeze, he was fine. He was okay. So the companions were shocked. <laughs> After the burial, they came to the Prophet. They told him, Ya Rasulullah, we've never seen you treat a martyr like you treated Sa'd. You walked in his funeral. You took off your cloak. You told us 70,000 angels were participating. You went inside his grave. And then on top of all that, and, and you praised Sa'd. You said that the grave squeezed him. Why? What did he do? The Prophet stated, that Sa'd had a bad attitude with his family at home sometimes. Fi Khuluq means your attitude, your behavior, your akhlaq. And ahl means your family. It could be your wife, your children, your mother, your father. He had an attitude. And that's why he was squeezed a little bit in the grave because of that negative attitude. The Prophet was teaching the companions a very important lesson about akhlaq. Even if you're high ranking, even if 70,000 angels come to participate in your funeral, even if you fulfilled all your obligations, your prayer, your fasting, your charity, you stand with the Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But if you have an attitude with those who are the closest to you and you forget to repent, there could be consequences. And this really is a stark reminder, powerful reminder of the importance of akhlaq at home. 
Sad outside, he was a gem, he was a treasure. But at home, sometimes when you get too comfortable with your family members, you may disrespect them, you may raise your voice, you may just have an attitude. There's so much abuse that goes on in our families. This is not acceptable. Even if you're as pure as sad, if you're abusive at home, if you have negative akhlaq at home, there will be consequences. But then the Prophet ﷺ offered his condolences to the mother of Sa'd. And basically he told her, look, your son has a very high status. Don't get me wrong. But because of that, you know, negative akhlaq, there were some consequences for him. So the Prophet wanted to demonstrate this to the Muslims. So no one can forget that day. So that next time they go home and, you know, they might want to be abusive, they can think twice about that. So any questions about Sa'd ibn Ma'ath and his martyrdom and these narrations that we've mentioned? So was he abusive? He no, the Prophet didn't say he was abusive. The Prophet says there was su' in his akhlaq. Bad attitude. No, no, the Prophet didn't say he would hit. We, we don't know. I mean, for, for the Arabs, it was pretty common to hit. So I personally doubt that he would hit, but... Sometimes maybe he just had a bad attitude. And probably he never asked them, you know, to forgive him. He probably forgot to repent. Remember, the hadith doesn't say he was punished or that, you know, terrible things happened to him. He was squeezed in the grave. So it's, it's uncomfortable. But, you know, the Prophet wanted to tell the companions that there are consequences for bad akhlaq. So the Prophet knew he was being squeezed because of that? Yes, oh, yes, knew. the Prophet knew. Jibra'il was there, by the way. When the Prophet was carrying the casket of uh, Sa'd ibn Ma'ad, and he would rotate like this corner and then this corner, they told him, Ya Rasulullah, why are you doing that? The Prophet says, I was following Jibra'il. Jibra'il carried this corner, so I carried it with him. Look at the greatness of Sa'd. Jibra'il comes, and he's carrying his body. So he was perfect from all aspects, except this one thing. At home with his family, he had an attitude. And this shows you that the attitude is really important. Even if you're the best of the best, if you fail a little bit with your attitude, there will be, Allah will forgive you and you're going to heaven. But you might have to go through some difficulties before getting there. Yeah, so no, it doesn't say he was abusive or that he would get physical at home. It just says generally that he had an attitude. His, his akhlaq wasn't the best at home. Let's just put it that way. So this is a lesson for us to improve our akhlaq with our family and then our friends and then the outer circle. It's more important to have good akhlaq with those people who are constantly around you than other people. When we go outside, we show them the best of akhlaq. We save our best energy and our best attitude for strangers. Your family is more deserving of your good, positive energy. Your mother, your father, your spouse, your children. These are the people who deserve the best and the best of your akhlaq. That's not something that we should forget.